honor this morning to introduce who is in the building, my pastor from Philadelphia, City Life Philly, Pastor Brad Leach. And in just a moment when he comes up, I want us to just welcome him in a profound way. And to give us a little on-ramp of why I believe Pastor Brad is worth honoring is this. I noticed his talent way before I ever met him. I got to listen to him speak at 25 years old. He preached a sermon on David, and I was so compelled because I hadn't seen anyone in their 20s preach with such conviction, clarity, and compassion. And so my wife and I, we felt that we wanted to learn even from a distance or build a relationship in any, any way, shape, or form. And eventually we were invited to his wedding, which was so cool. His wife said, why are you inviting them to the wedding? You don't even know his last name. On the invite, it was just rapper Jerome. And she's like, well, if you don't know his last name, he's like, no, trust me, we're close. And then that relationship continued to grow over time. And we had the honor to consider to moving out to Philly and being under his leadership. And we were praying deeply to go out there. And as we were at a dinner several years ago, he sat across the table and goes, do you have a church in your heart? And then we told him about what is now, several years later, what we know as City Life Lansing. And I thought what was so true of what I saw on stage was more true behind the scenes, was his ability to champion God's call in people's lives, and specifically ours. And he said a phrase that stuck with me to this day, your wins will be your our wins and your losses will be our losses and that has proven to be true. He's coached us in moments that are mountaintops but also walked with us through valleys. So it is an honor and a privilege that we have in a building, a leader of leaders and my pastor. Will you stand to your feet, give a warm City Life Lansing welcome to Pastor Brad Leach. Come on, what's up, City Life? Can we give it up for Jesus? He's our Lord, our Savior. We've got nothing without him, and it really is an honor to be here, and just a great excuse for me to be able to spend a couple days with one of my best friends, your pastor, Jerome, and Crystal, and their squad, their five kids. Aren't you grateful for your pastors that God has given you to shepherd this house, to lead this house, had the opportunity yesterday to drive through the city together with Pastor Jerome and see Battlefield and the homes that God has blessed this church with through your giving, through your sacrifice. And the phrase that kept bubbling up in my heart yesterday as we drove and even this morning as I woke up and was reflecting on the day is you can just sense there's a groundswell of influence that God is stirring for city life here in the city of Lansing. And so I just wanna encourage you to jump all in to give, to serve, to pray for your leaders, uh, because you don't wanna miss what's coming next for this church. The best is still to come. I really believe that for City Life Lansing. And so be a part of it, be a part of all of it. Uh, you have visionary leaders here at City Life, and I just honor them and bless them. It is a joy to be a part of their lives. Well, uh, I uh, love improv comedy. Anybody else love improv comedy here? I, I love it because, and I have so much respect and admiration for comedians who do improv well because I really think the best moments in life are unscripted. And if you've ever studied improv comedy, if you've ever tried out improv, then you learned what is a foundational principle when it comes to improv, and that is the agreement 
principle. In other words, if you're going to make improv work as you're working together uh, with a partner, with another comedian, you've got to decide at the beginning of a scene when they walk into the room and they introduce a premise into the storyline, whether or not you are going to agree with that premise. And so the foundational kind of phrase when it comes to improv comedy is simply this, yes and. Yes and. So I'll give you an example. If you're doing improv and your partner opens the door and walks into the room and greets you by saying, oh, thank you so much for welcoming me into your home. I often find that people don't like having aliens like me in their home. You've got to decide in that moment, am I going to buy into the fact that this guy is an alien. And so, yes and looks like something like this. Oh, it's so good to meet you. It's so good to have you in in my home. I've always wanted to meet an alien. In fact, my dad, he was abducted by aliens. Have you met him? Do you know where he is? Now, we've got the audience. We can build something entertaining. They know that you've got my back, that we're in this together. There is somewhere to go with the story from there. Now, the opposite of yes and is no but. No but. And so how much differently does the story flow if you walk into the room and I say, hey, what's up? And you say, oh, thank you so much for having me in your home. I often find that, you know, people don't like having aliens in their home. If I come back at you and say, this isn't a home, this is a mental institution, and obviously you are here because you are delusional, you are not an alien, Well, now we've got a problem. There's nowhere for the story to go. People are confused. We can't even agree on who you are and where we are. Yes, and. Yes, and leads to a great story. No but stops the story in its tracks. Now, the same thing that's true in improv is true about life. A few months ago, my uh, sister-in-law, Samantha, her boyfriend, Tim, proposed to her. It's a great moment on the Wissahickon Trail in Philadelphia. He got down on one knee. He had it all planned out, all scripted out. He pulled out the, you know, ring. He opened up the box, and he popped the question. Samantha, will you marry me? And because she said yes, we had an amazing party that afternoon. It was all set up at our house. We were in on it, and, you know, he called on the phone. They FaceTimed on the way over. She said yes. How many of you know if she had said no, that party would have gone a lot differently? (laughs) We would have had a lot of leftover cheese on the cheese tray at that party if she had said no. In fact, there would have been no party. There would have been no wedding, no family. It would have been very difficult for the relationship to even move forward from there. But because she said yes, well, now we're off and running. They're planning a wedding. They're getting ready for marriage. It could mean kids someday. It could mean grandkids someday. I look back over my life. My wife, Leah, and I, we celebrated 15 years this year in January being married. Thank you very much. And My life is so different because she said 15 years ago, because she said yes. Yes and leads to a great story. No but stops the story in its tracks. And so here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about your story. I want to talk to you about your future because here's my conviction, City Life. God is not done with you yet. And God has a plan that is so unique, that is so special for your 
future, for your career, your vocational future, your future relationships, your financial future. Now, what produces so much anxiety, I think, in our hearts when we think about the future is that we can't see around the next corner. We don't know what scene is coming. We don't know what season is coming, and so we live with anxiety, with fear. Now, here's the good news. God can see into the future. God, Scripture tells us, he's the author and the finisher of your faith and your story. God is not playing improv with your life. He has a plan, and his plan is good, and the way that God works in our lives is that he steps into the scenes and the seasons of our lives and he gets down on one knee and he proposes. He proposes a new premise. He proposes truth. He proposes revelation. He proposes command. He proposes an opportunity and then we have the opportunity to decide if we're going to say yes or no to his proposal. Now here's the challenge is that usually his proposal is an interruption. (laughs) of our own plans. And it may be uncomfortable. It may not be what we had scripted ourselves for our lives. And so there's a temptation in those moments to hesitate, to push back at at God's proposal. And when we do that, listen, it can stop the story in its tracks. If you say, yes, God, well, now you can step into the next scene and experience more of God's purpose for your life. But if your response is to push back and to say no, there is nowhere for the story to go because God cannot introduce anything new into your life as long as your heart is closed and your response is no. So I want to talk to you about the power of a yes today. And I want to take you to a little story in the Old Testament book called 1 Kings chapter 19, right out of the history of the nation of Israel, about a man named Elijah who played a big role in the story of scripture and the story of the Old Testament. And this comes at a really pivotal moment in his life and also in the country. It was a time of economic and political turmoil in the ninth century BC. And I want you to see in an ordinary moment how God interrupts this man in the midst of an ordinary life. So let's start in verse 19 of 1 Kings 19. It says, so he departed from there and found Elisha, he's our guy, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. And so here's this guy, Elisha. He lives at home. He works on his dad's farm. And his job every day is to plow behind these 12 yoke of oxen. Now let me ask you the obvious. What is your view every day if that's your job, plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen? What's your smell every day if that's your life, plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen? Oxen residue, oxen emission. I'm going to do my best to keep this PG today. I'm a guest speaker. I'm not going to make too much trouble for Pastor Jerome. But what's your view every day if that's your job? Oxen rears, oxen butts all day long. And I want you just to get a a feel for how monotonous Elisha's life, his, his daily existence really is. And maybe you can relate when you think about your daily rhythm. Some of you, maybe you work in sales and it just feels like one never ending cycle. Try to hit the quota so I can get into the next quarter and do it all again. It's just oxen butts all day. 
Maybe for you, uh, you're a student and you're having a hard time remembering even why. Why am, I, why am I taking these classes? Like I'm working so I can pay for a class that if I do well enough, I can keep on working for the rest of my life. What's the point of this? Oxen butts all day. Maybe you're a parent with little kids and it is literally oxen butts, like human butts that you are cleaning all day long. And you can lose your passion, can't you moms, dads? Diapers, laundry, dishes, diapers, laundry, dishes, day in, day out. And I think this is so meaningful because we tend to assume, well, if God wants to do something extraordinary, then of course he's looking for people who are living extraordinary lives and in the midst of extraordinary circumstances. But that's not what God does. He looks for those of us who are being faithful with the little things, living ordinary lives, plowing behind the oxen. And so here's Elisha, and he's looking at the oxen butts, and here's what happens in verse 19. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Now Elijah was Elisha's hero. He was a prophet that God was using in the nation of Israel. God was doing miracles through his life. Elijah was a bit of a celebrity at this point. So he shows up and he takes off his cloak and he puts it on Elisha. Now what's all of that about? It was symbolic and Elijah was saying to him, everything that has been on me, that's been covering me, now God wants to put it on you. And so the mantle that, that has been on me, God wants to put it on you. And the anointing that's been over my life, God wants to put it over your life. And the assignment that I've been walking in, God's now shifting, and he wants, he wants to put it over you. And so here comes Elijah. He puts the cloak on Elisha, and what it is, it's an invitation. This is God breaking into Elisha's ordinary existence, and God's getting down on one knee, and he's proposing an opportunity that is an interruption of Elisha's life plan, yet something new that God is introducing into his story. And so Elisha's faced with a question that we're all gonna face at transitional moments of our lives with God. Will you surrender to your summons? When God comes calling with an opportunity, a new assignment, will you say yes or no? So verse 20, as we continue the story, says this, that he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. So you can see the momentum building. Elisha is getting ready to rearrange his life. He's going to have a big conversation with his parents, with his dad. He was in line to take over his dad's business, to take over the farm, and now he's thinking about moving, he's gonna shift some things, he's going in a different direction, it's a huge step. And he did something here that all of us will have the opportunity to do at some point. If we choose to follow God's plan for our lives, and it's a principle that has direct application to so many areas of our lives, and here's the principle, you don't have to understand all the details fully in order to give God your yes. You don't have to understand all the details fully in order to give God your yes. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that if God has stepped into the scene and season of your life and he's down on one knee proposing that you're not gonna have all of the details. God is strategically vague with me. I don't know if you've experienced the same thing in the directions that he gives us because he knows the details would freak us out. 
We think, oh, if I had more of the details, it would make it easier to obey. No, it wouldn't. (laughs) So what God does is he shows us the next step and lets us decide if it's a yes or a no, if the story will accelerate or stop. And often what God will give us in lieu of all the details is one single word. You're gonna have to decide, is that enough? I think of Abraham, God came to this hero of the faith in scripture and said, I want you to move. I want you to go to a new land, a place of promise where I'm gonna make a nation out of you. But God left out a pretty big detail where he was moving to. And all God gave him was one simple word, leave. That was it. I think of Peter on a boat in the middle of a storm and this disciple of Jesus sees his Lord walking to him through the storm on the water and Jesus calls to him with one simple word, come. Jesus didn't give him a lesson on the physics of how it was all about to work. He didn't give him a special, you know, walking on water prayer to pray. He gave him one simple invitation, come. And I don't know what transition you're facing today in your life, what uncertainty you're looking into when it comes to the future for you. Maybe for you, it's an MRI that you've recently had or a CAT scan or an x-ray that has come back and the doctors are worried and they're running more tests and you're freaking out, looking into the future, wondering what's gonna happen and how is the next year gonna play out and you got questions about finances and insurance and what about my job and how's this gonna impact my family and God is not answering answering any of those questions, he's just giving you one simple word, trust. Will you trust me, yes or no? Or maybe for you it's an idea that's percolating in your heart for a group or a business or a book or a ministry that God wants you to start and you've got all kinds of questions. Well, when and how and how much and where's it gonna come from? And God is not answering any of those questions. He's not filling in those details. He's giving you one simple word, start. Yes or no? Maybe for you it's, 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 it's the opposite of that. It's that you're dying for something to change in your life, for something new to come into the story. Maybe you're in a marriage that feels like it is at a dead end. Maybe you're in a job that feels like it's going nowhere and you're longing for something to change, yet you're getting one simple word from God and it's simply this, stay. I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with this relationship yet. Stay, and we have the opportunity in these moments, maybe for you it's some secret sin that's been dominating your heart, that's been running in the background of your mind month after month after month, and, and you wanna lay it down, yet there is this shame that feels like it's just cemented this sin in your soul, or perhaps it's the fear that, man, if I came out of the closet with this, what about, you know, what, what's going to happen to my reputation and what are people going to think about me? And God is not filling in any of those details. It's just one word he's giving you today. Confess. I have freedom for you. I have a life for you beyond this shame, beyond this guilt. Confess. And at these moments in our lives when God's on one knee proposing, putting the cloak over us, we have the opportunity to decide yes or no? And is it possible that you've been trying to talk yourself out 
of something you know instinctively in your gut that God wants you to do. City life, can I challenge you? I, I believe in thinking strategically. I believe in deliberation and thinking things through with the people around you and moving forward with a strategic plan and process. But here's what God has been doing more of in me. I believe he wants me to be more instinctive in my relationship with him, in my obedience. Not impulsive, there's a difference. Instinctive. And can I just encourage you, you are filled with the spirit of God. God himself is in you, and if God is calling you, then he has anointed you and equipped you, and so it may be time for you to live again with instinct to simply say, Jesus, yes, from your heart to trust his spirit who's dwelling within you. It's tempting to think that if you can consider every contingency and prepare for every possibility, then you can control the outcome. But if we've learned anything the past few years, it's that we have far less control over the future than we think we do. But there is someone who can see the big picture, and he lives in you, and he's guiding you, and if he's putting a cloak around your shoulder and inviting you to move with him, listen to his voice within you, and step away from the oxen butts, and accept his proposal, and trust him for what's next, and see what he can do in your life, and your family, and your future if you're courageous enough to shout yes. What we get from Elisha, I want you to see this as we wrap up the story, might be the most epic and emphatic yes in all of Scripture. Look at verse 21. And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. I don't know about you, the first time I read this story, I'm thinking about the smoke and the barbecue, and my thought was, Elijah, that was a little extra. (laughs) Really? You had to burn the plows? But it's such an emphatic yes, and I highlighted and just underlined three words here, sacrificed, gave, went after, and I want to give you three simple thoughts as we wrap up this message and this story this morning about your yes, and the first one is simply this, yes will cost you something. It'll cost you something. He took his yoke of oxen, can you see him? His livelihood, the assets to the business, the balance sheet, these animals that made it possible for him to pay his bills, and he slaughtered them. And then what did he do with the plows? He burned all of the plowing equipment and he started a bonfire and they had a barbecue and the very equipment that symbolized his old life and his old dependencies, his security, his retirement plan, his identity, just incinerated before the Lord. And if you're gonna say yes to God's invitation to you this fall, I don't know what premise, what proposition God's introducing into your scene, into your season but it's gonna cost you something as well. It may cost you your comfort. It may cost you some of the predictability you cling to in your life. It may cost you some relationships. It may cost you some dreams that you've been grasping. It may cost you financially. I don't know what the price tag may be that's attached to your obedience, but I know that everything new God wants to introduce into our lives, it comes at the cost of something familiar. And this is the path to surrender. You know, for so many of us in our culture, 
We're surrounded with this script and this message. Go out into the world and conquer. Dominate, win, succeed, conquer. But giving God a yes and surrendering to his summons, it's a very different thing. It is a willingness to be conquered by God. To say, God, I want you to be all you can be in me. It's to completely redefine success and to decide that what I want more than getting as much as I can for myself out of life is to lay my life down and put my sacred cows on the altar and my plows on the altar and my plans on the altar and my pride on the altar and my fear on the altar and my doubts on the altar and light the match and make my life and my future and my dreams about God and God alone as I give him my yes. Yes, there's a price tag that comes with it, but don't misunderstand this invitation. Yes will cost you something, but guess what? City life, no, will cost you even more. The delays, the detours in my life that were so unnecessary because it took me too long to get to yes. Yes will cost you something, but no will cost you so much more. Yes. Secondly, is a precious gift. So Elisha burned the cows, burned the plows, and then he gave the meat. He just passed it around. The neighborhood came together, a little send-off party for him, and they got the barbecue sauce. Can you smell it? And the fire's going, and the smoke is rising into the sky. And I look at this sacrifice, I look at this fire from a couple perspectives. You have Elisha on the ground who is watching everything about his life as he knew it go up in smoke. But I want you to imagine for a moment this sacrifice from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective. God is looking down and he sees the fire burning at the altar and he sees the smoke rising up into the air. And he is, I believe, smelling the sweet incense of that sacrifice into his nostrils. And you know what it is to God, what it smells like to him? It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice of worship. And Elisha's sacrifice was his gift. It was God's gift, and I believe God enjoyed it. What do you give to a God who created everything? King David had this revelation. He said, I won't offer God a sacrifice of worship that hasn't cost me something. In other words, there's a special expression of worship that touches the heart of God that only comes from a sacrificial yes. It's the willingness to sing a song of worship like we did this morning and to express your love for God even when the circumstances of your life feel unloving. And it's the willingness to say goodbye to the familiar and to step into the unknown just because God showed up on an ordinary day of work and put a cloak over your shoulders. And it's the commitment to say yes to speaking up or yes to reaching out or yes to giving away even when it's gonna leave you temporarily with less power or fewer hours in a day or just a handful of resources left to take care of yourself. And in those moments, church family, when the cows are burning and the plows are smoking, God is in heaven and he's smiling and he notices your sacrifice rising as a sweet smelling aroma before him. And you can be sure that he will see it and he will receive it and he will treasure it and he will reward it. 
I think we come into moments like this and we sing songs like, you're worthy of it all. But then we look back at our own lives and the choices we've made to say yes to God and the sacrifices we've made for God along the way. And we can oftentimes, in moments of honesty, ask the question, was it worth it? Was it worth it? It didn't necessarily lead to everything I thought it might lead to and everything in my life isn't perhaps what I would have scripted five years ago or 10 years ago. That, yes, was it worth it? Let me just simply ask you that question. If you've ever, this question, if you've ever been tempted to ask ask that question. If God is in heaven and your sacrificial yes is rising to him in worship and it's putting a smile on his face and it's become a pleasing aroma to him, is that worth it? To worship him, it's why you were created. Yes, it'll cost you something. It's a precious gift, and I'll just leave you with this last thought. Yes is the on-ramp to a new and creative future. Remember, yes and leads to a great story. It's the on-ramp to a new and creative future. And what we learn about Elisha is that he did begin to follow Elijah, And as his faith began to grow, he looked at his mentor, this prophet that God had used so powerfully, and he said, you know what's in my heart? I want a double portion of the anointing that's on your life. And it's so unique when you study Elisha's ministry and his life in Scripture that, first of all, there are more miracles recorded out of the life of Elisha than anyone else in the Bible, save for Jesus himself. And second of all, there are to the number exactly twice as many miracles attributed to Elisha's ministry as Elijah's. And his yes became an on-ramp to a life of meaning and purpose. And it makes me think of another group of guys, James and John, out on their father's fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee, following in their father's footstep, getting ready to take over their family business, and another rabbi who showed up on the shore and got down on one knee and gave them an invitation, follow me. I want to make you fishers of men. I'm going to add so much purpose to your life, so much significance to your life. And because they were willing to burn the plows, to lay down their nets, to walk away from the boat, to go after Jesus into the future, to burn plan B, Say, there's going to be nothing for me to come back to anymore. The plows, the oxen, I'm going to burn it all. God, you are my future. I choose you. I don't know about you, but I have struggled with this at times. We can trust God with the big things in our lives. I think even the big theological convictions of our lives. We trust him with heaven. We trust him with hell. But when it comes to our future here on earth, We can wrestle and we can wonder and we can doubt. And at times we think, well, God, what if you want something different for my future than I want for my future? And we're afraid that, God, if I follow you in this moment, am I just going to wind up disappointed? And then I had this thought. What if God were to come to you and say, you're so special to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. Because you mean so much to me, I just want to do something special for you. And so anything that you want me to give you, any gift that you would like, it's yours. What would you like? What if you considered that invitation from the Lord? Anything, God? Anything. And you had 
the childlike faith and trust to be able to say, you know what, God? You choose. You choose. Because I believe that you will choose what I would always have chosen if I knew what you know and could see what you see. That's where I want my heart to get, church family, is to say, God, my answer is yes. Now what's the question? Because my heart is yielded and my heart is surrendered. And I'll leave you with this last thought, this last question. What if God's best is on the other side of your yes? Let's pray. God, thank you that you are always moving our lives forward even when we don't see it, even when we can't feel it. And so today, God, I pray that we would be the kind of kids, the kind of sons and daughters, the kind of people that would be quick to say, yes. I may not understand all the details, but God, my answer is yes. You have me, you have my heart, you have all of me. God, I pray that over each of your kids who are here in the room today, who are watching online right now, that you would move them into the next scene and that you would move them into the next season at the pace of their surrender. Amen. Amen. Hey, with your eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you need to say yes to the most important invitation of all, and that's just Jesus simply saying, will you follow me? Will you follow me? And if that's you today and you want to say yes to Jesus, you can reach out to him. It's as simple as a prayer just from your heart to say, Jesus, I've sinned. I've turned my back on you. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. I want to follow you. Have your way with me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And as you pray that prayer and turn your life over to him, he can reinvent everything today. But maybe you're here today and you know God's calling a yes out of you and you've been hesitating and you've been afraid, but today you wanna lay down your pride, you wanna lay down your questions and you just wanna say, yes, God, yes, God. If that's you today, you know, you would say, Brad, this message was for me. I'm getting a word, <laughs> a proposal from the Lord and my answer is yes. Would you just stand to your feet right now, wherever you are, if that's your response today? If you're willing today to say, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. We're gonna sing this last chorus together. And can we just make it a moment of surrender right now as we sing this to him, that he's still holy. Let's give him our hearts. Let's give him our yes. Let's trust him with the future.
be vulnerable with you this morning is um, I was backstage processing this message real time. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, you can't graduate faith with God. There comes a point of now following Jesus for 20 years where I would love to be able to know, God, will you give me the exact game plan? Will you just show me what's around the corner? And I think, how did I get here? It was Jesus, your Savior, your Lord, yes. God, take my life, yes. I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow. There's a church service, yes. God, your ways and your thoughts are higher. Let me give up my old life, my old desires, yes. Let me trust you for something better. We never graduate faith, City Life. There's a question we've asked over the last few years. It's this. If not you, then who? If not here, then when? Where? And if not now, then when? I know at some point we always want to think, well, yeah, it's somebody else. It's, what if it's you? What if it's me? What if it's here? What if it's now? I can testify, and I'm testifying to myself first, is that on the other side of my yes has been God's best. And I know sometimes that can sound like ear candy and just preacher fluff, but when we lose our life, we find it. When we walk the narrow path, it's difficult, it's hard to travel on, we can't always see or know what. Weakness is built in the equation, but it leads to life, which is ultimately found in Jesus. And so I pray that we are a church that remembers the power of a yes. And a yes to me or you, it's kind of shallow or hollow. It, it holds some weight, depending on the character of us. But a yes to God, who is still holy above it all, the same yesterday, today, and forever, that yes is someone that we can bank on, the cornerstone. And so let's make it loud and clear. Our yes is built upon Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's thank God for Pastor Brad coming here today. Thank you for investing time today to be here. I know it's the most priceless, precious investment that you could ever give is time. And I pray that as you leave this place, you would be full of the power of God. If you want to connect further in the hallway, there's a connect center where we would love to show you and connect with you different ways here at City Life. And if you're online, that can be on the website. We'll be kicking off Love the City Week next weekend. It's going to be powerful. We'll be here at 10, 10 and 11.30. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time. And we won't stop until Jesus Christ comes back and makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all. You're still holy above it all, above it all. You're still sovereign. You never left your throne. You're still holy.